Thanks for tuning into the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org or look us up on Facebook under Woods Edge Students. Life is precious. Abortion. Your belief based on this book and that. You, you can be persecuted for that. I mean, people get killed for that. What about if you're just living according to this book, which is so controversial and countercultural? If you have followed the commands of this book, and suffered any negative ramifications from people around you, you've been persecuted. I mean, I bet you most of you have in some way, shape, or form, whether you know it or not. Um, if you find your identity in this book and Jesus and what he says about you, rather than letting your feelings be your God and suffered for that, you've been persecuted. And if you, as many of you said, just pray openly or talk openly about Jesus or your faith. You can just tell a story about your faith like, oh my God, I prayed for this thing and it happened. And they can be like, you're a fool. That's persecution too. So there, these are, and there are many more of them, these are reasons why Christians will be persecuted. The Bible promises that we will be persecuted for these things if we are putting our faith in action, if we are living out loud for Jesus Christ. Um, another simple one, but like the Bible says clearly that God created the heavens and the earth, and when he spoke, it was. You go tell that to an atheist scientist and have him not laugh in your face. It's persecution. You'll experience it. I believe that God, I can't explain it. I'm not a scientist, but I love when science and faith come together, as they often do. But I can't explain how the earth came to be in six or seven days. Like, I don't know. But I believe it, because it's in this book, and I believe everything in this book, and people call me stupid for doing that. Um, so if you're a Christian in this room, this message is for you because you will experience persecution in this life. If you haven't already, if you're not right now, you will. So pay attention. But the Bible, while it says, it promises we will experience persecution, do you know what it tells us in spite of it? To celebrate it. Celebrate when your friends call you Jesus freak, when your neighbors don't talk to you. James chapter 1 Verse 2 says this, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, when persecution of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider it an opportunity for joy? No, for great joy. Here's my question for us. Are today's Christians specifically Kaylin jinxed the stage. Specifically, are American Christians handling persecution with great joy? I would say no. I would say absolutely not. Question, are today's Christians, American Christians, handling persecution with great self-preservation? I would say yes. I would say yes, and I'm guilty of that too. Um, I see a lot of Christians feeling threatened And they're running out, and they're buying a bunch of guns, and they're hoarding supplies, and they're attacking people that they perceive to be attacking them, even if they are attacking them. Um, I see a lot of Christians persecuting their persecutors, and I don't see any of that in this book. God does not say, when you are persecuted, attack. When you are persecuted, defend yourself and tear them down. When you're being gossiped about, gossip about them. Nowhere in the Bible do I see any of that condoned or commanded of us? Here's the danger in the behavior that we're seeing in the American church today. We are so busy yelling at the people yelling at us, gossiping about the people gossiping about us, 
fighting against the people fighting against us, that we have forgotten that we are supposed to be loving those people, like crazy loving those people, like selfless, grace-filled, loving those people. That Yeah, they're attacking us. They're killing us. They're taking us to court. I want to show you a quick video, I hope. Um, yeah, I don't, want, I don't want to prep it too much. I, I watch this, and I think to myself, that is a picture, that is an illustration of how the American church looks when we fight, when we persecute our persecutors. Check this out and tell me if you agree. Cycling at the moment. See? Oh Just go. You only live once. Yolo. Als je de mooiste opvullen. That's how we look. That's what I think of. That's how dignified we are when we start standing up and yelling back at the people yelling at us. When we start trying to hurt back or sue back the people going after us. We look foolish. We look silly. We do not look the way Jesus looked when he responded to his haters, when he prayed for those that were attacking him. We look foolish yelling at people about silly things when God said, pray for those who persecute you. Love those who hate you. Um, your enemy, give them a cup of water when they are hurting rather than say, ha ha. But that is not what I'm seeing today. Not in the news, not around me. And, and I understand. I get it. I have been persecuted and I want to hurt somebody. My family has been threatened, and I want to defend them, and maybe I'll take a life to do it. But I don't see that in the Bible. It doesn't say an eye for an eye anymore. It says Jesus gave his eye for yours. Uh, Jesus paid the price for that. You don't have a right or a need to go and hurt somebody because they are hurting you. It says forgive them. It says love them. It says to pray for them. Um, James, again, chapter 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, 
And when you're persecuted, you're being tested. I know this for a fact. I know this from recent experience. When your faith is tested, then your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. You know what the Bible just said? It said, bring it on. It said, stand up, and when they hit you, turn the other cheek and let them hit you again. Because when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, you will be complete, and you will be needing nothing. You guys, that's the kind of Jesus follower that I want to be. I want to be perfect. I want to be complete. I want to need nothing. What that means for me, I want people to yell at me in my face for my belief in Jesus, and I want to feel peace. I want to feel confident. I don't want to, and I don't have to, and neither do you, be afraid, be full of rage, be consumed with vengeful thoughts. Um, I have been, my wife has been, our team has been walking through a season of persecution. It's private, it's close to home, and it hurts. It's no fun. It's been painful. It's been one of my hardest seasons in ministry ever, and I've been doing this for close to a dozen years. Uh, I've been attacked. My wife's been attacked. We've been attacked for standing up for what's right. We've been attacked for just saying, you guys need to forgive each other. Uh, we need to forgive each other. And we're getting slandered, and we're getting slammed, and people are talking about us. And my flesh wants to go to these people's homes and be like, what are you doing? Why are you hurting me? Don't even talk to my wife. Don't even look at my kids. I will punch you in the face. That's how I feel, right? Is that in the Bible? Does God say, yeah, if somebody comes after you, go get them. Good luck. Maybe in the Old Testament, but not in the New. Not in the New. I have no right to do that. Because who's the judge? There's only one. I'm not the judge. And I don't have a right and neither do you as Christians to defend yourself or to defend your reputation. We belong to him. And so when persecution or trouble of any kind comes, just say, Jesus, I'm with you. So, in the past I have fought back. In the past I have forced confrontations. I have forced sit-downs with people that didn't want to sit down with me. And I didn't really want to sit down with them. And things have gone poorly, right? People have walked away hurt. I have hurt myself, I have hurt other people by trying to force it, by trying to um, beat people up with the truth. The Bible says you're supposed to forgive me, so forgive me. Oh, okay, no. They can be like, get away, nut. You guys, when we try to force our will into situations when we're being persecuted, when we try to fight fire with fire, we get burned, and we burn other people. Um, does anybody know what the definition of insanity is? Nuts. What do you got, Lincoln? That's right. Show me my picture of Albert. So there's Albert Einstein. Pretty smart guy. Believer as well. Insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That's the definition of insanity, of being crazy. To do something over and over and expect a different result. And let me tell you, from personal, recent experience, I'm tired of doing things the way that everybody else around me is doing them. I am tired of fighting fire with fire. I am tired of defending myself. I am tired of yelling at people, yelling at me, because then it's just, nah, 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 nah. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready to start handling things the way that the Bible says. And so we're going to talk and pull some principles out of a scripture the Lord led me to two weeks ago. And these are for any of you and all of you that have, are, or, again, promise will experience persecution. 
Fun fact before we go. Oh, he's already gone. Albert Einstein is from Ulm, Germany. My name's Ulmer from Ulm. I'm a genius. All right. So last two weeks ago, I was praying about this persecution that my family and I, my team, have been going through. And so I, in my journal, I like to write stuff out. It was good enough for David to write out his prayers. It's good enough for me. Good morning, Father. Thank you for today. Thank you for my life and my family and the work you've given to me. I'm very grateful for my calling, my job, the way you opened my mind and my heart to understand your word. I pray for more understanding. I pray for more gratitude. I pray for more humility, selflessness, bold teaching. Lord, the situation that, you're, that we're in right now, how would you handle the persecution I'm experiencing? I just wrote that out. I just wrote out my request, and by faith, I just, all right, it's the Bible, it's living and active, something will speak to me, I don't care what page I'm on, I open my Bible. How would you handle the persecution I'm experiencing? Listen to the scripture that I open to. This is David. David's being pursued through the mountains by Saul, who hates him. He's being persecuted. He says this, Lord, hear my plea for justice. Listen to my cry for help. Pay attention to my prayer, for it comes from honest lips. Declare me innocent, for you see those who do right. You have tested my thoughts. You have examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing wrong, because I am determined not to sin in what I say. I am determined not to yell at the people yelling at me. I have followed your commands, which keep me from following cruel and evil people. My steps have stayed on your path. I have not wavered from following you. I am praying to you, Lord, because I know you will answer me. Man, that's a good thing to say and remind ourselves of. So bend down and listen to me as I pray. Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. Like David's like, blow me away here. By your mighty power, you rescue those who seek refuge from their enemies. So guard me as you would guard your eyes. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Protect me from wicked people who attack me, from murderous enemies who surround me. They are without pity. Listen to their boasting. They track me down. They have surrounded me, watching for the chance to throw me to the ground. They're like hungry lions, eager to tear me apart, like young lions hiding in ambush. Rise up, O Lord. Stand against them. Bring them to their knees. Rescue me from the wicked with your sword. By the power of your hand, O Lord, destroy those who look to this world for their reward. But satisfy the hunger of your treasured ones. May their children have plenty, leaving an inheritance for their descendants. Because I am righteous, I will see you. And when I awake, I will see you face to face, and I will be satisfied. You guys, do you ever sit down and just ask the Lord with all your heart to speak to you? Because if you do, and you use this book... He will speak right to your pain. This was like a massage, a hot bath, 
um, bandages on a wound. As I said, what do you have to say about me having an issue with people persecuting me? Well, here is what my son David said, and here's how he handled it, and that's how you want you to handle it. I broke this passage up into six principles. Remember one, remember them all, I don't care, but these are true and these are trustworthy. Here's a couple things real quick to know about this psalm and the two main players, Saul and David. Saul was David's friend, right? He's his king. His job is to look out for David, but he is trying to kill David. Why? Well, Saul was a godly guy. Saul knew the Lord. Saul was appointed by God to be the king. He's a Christian vis-a-vis, but Saul stopped obeying the Lord. Saul started to try to do things his way, and as Christians, we can all do that. We can all get sucked into, I know the Bible says this, but I'm just going to go a little over here because I feel justified, and Saul did that, and he suffered for it. So Saul's kingdom and his, his reign and his sovereignty start to crumble around him, and he's in this pit that he put himself in because he's being ignorant and blind, and as he is, he looks over here and sees David prospering and doing well. Have you ever been in a place where you're just miserable and you see this guy over here, this girl over here doing great, and you're like, I hate them. Why are they always smiling? Everything goes well for Susie or Bobby. It's human nature, and I get it. When I'm low and I'm like, you know, good morning to you too, but shut up. It's too early. I haven't had my coffee. I stayed up too late, blah, blah, blah. Saul is feeling that way towards David, his friend, his servant. Saul like many of us, he needed somebody to blame for his problems, and he chose David. But it wasn't just talking about him behind his back, which a lot of us know. It wasn't just getting in a fight. He was trying to kill him. Now, I would imagine you guys can relate to that on some level. Some relationship, some hardship, and if you can't, I'm not trying to promise doom, it will come if you live by putting your faith in action. Things to know about David. David loved Saul. David was so obedient. But David had the hand of God's favor all over him, right? David could, like, do no wrong. And David, in today's world, had every right to defend himself, to stand up, to take Saul to court, maybe to kill him. We're talking, like, Middle East culture. Maybe to kill him. But David didn't do any of that because David wouldn't waver from following the Lord. And he trusted God even when his life and his reputation were exposed and on the line. The two main things about Saul and David are this. Saul pursued his enemy. Many of us have done that in the past. David pursued the Lord. Saul was persecuting himself, and we all persecute ourselves. Who's your biggest naysayer in the middle of the night when you're laying in bed. It's you. It's me. I suck. I'm terrible. I'm such a loser. I can't do anything right. Those people have every right to hate me. I am, I should not even go to work. I'm a piece of garbage. We are our worst persecutors. Saul was his worst persecutor. So Saul pursued his enemy. He pursued vengeance. He pursued, I'm right, they're wrong. I'm going to judge them and carry it out. But David pursued the Lord. If you hear nothing in this message, hear that. Pursue the Lord when you're being pursued. Here's our principles that we're going to yank out of this thing nice and fast. Looking for the good in persecution means this. When we pray in the midst of persecution, that's, that's it right there. When you're being persecuted, don't run to your friends, don't run to social media, don't run to tattletale, 
Run to the Lord. Run to your knees and pray. If you miss that step, the rest of what I had to say, pointless. Run to your knees. When we pray in persecution, it reminds us that God is our judge. When I can fathom enough faith this much to pray amidst persecution, it reminds me God is my judge. What this book, what he says about me, that's what's true. My fault finders, my naysayers, they don't know the truth. They can't speak for me. They can't define me. When people are talking trash about you and you hear it and then you hear it over here, don't you start to believe that? When you pray, you remind yourself that's not true. I'm holy. I'm a priest. I'm a prince, a princess. I'm more than a conqueror. When we pray, we remind ourselves God is our judge, not people. Believe what God has to say to you, not what your fault finders have to say. That's principle one. When we pray in persecution, it reminds us God is God. God's our judge, not people. Psalm 17, well, no, you already know. All of these are just pockets, but the first principle comes from one through three. The second principle comes through three through five. When we pray in persecution, it reminds us to remain obedient. I love what David said. I will not sin in what I say. When somebody's talking trash, you want to talk trash. When somebody's complaining about you, you want to complain. And David is saying here, I am not going to complain. I am not going to meet fire with fire. I am not going to talk trash about them, even though they deserve it, even though I've got plenty of nuggets that I can say about them that are true. I am not going to sin in what I say by slandering somebody. That's huge. Because as soon as you step on that road, it is very hard to get off. Because if you're going to talk bad about your bad talkers, what happens when they take it to the next level? Well, you've got to take it to the next level. When do they take it to the level after that? You've got to go to the level after that. If you fight fire with fire, you will get burned. Or you'll win, and you'll burn them. And then how are you going to feel? Principle three comes from verses six through seven. When we pray in persecution, it reminds us that God answers prayer. We're not just sitting on our knees and talking in the middle of the, of the dark room and then be like, okay, I'm done, check the box. Like, stuff happens when you pray. God moves. Angels are like sent out on assignment. Things take place that we can't see, and you just need to believe that. You need to have that mustard seed of faith that when you pray, things are happening. I love this phrase, prayer is work that works. So do some work. Get on your knees and pray. And as you're doing so, remind yourself that God answers prayer. Has he ever answered a single prayer for you? Say it in your room out loud. God, thank you so much for helping me ace that test. God, thank you so much for healing my grandma with cancer. God, thank you so much for giving my mom a job. God, thank you so much that uh, Fred forgave me when I said sorry. And we prayed about that. Like, thank you. Remind yourself of his answered prayer. If you don't have one, well, one, you should be praying for more stuff because he's going to answer it. Remind yourself of how he's answered your friend's prayer, your family's prayers, things that I've shared on stage. If you don't have anything, read this book and see how God, day after day, page after page, answers prayer. David declaring, I know you will answer me. You rescued me before, you'll do it again. I need to hear that when I'm being persecuted, when I'm being chased. God, you've got my back. You've always had my back. This morning, showing up for this sermon, I'm feeling disturbed. I'm feeling disgruntled. I went in my office. I opened the Bible, and I started off like this. I don't, I'm not going to do good on this sermon. Um, the, 
the story's too close to home. Like, it's going to be, I just, I don't feel right. And by the end of it, I'm like, I'm going to rock that sermon. I'm going to go up there and speak like I know what I'm talking about because I do. God answers prayer. Principle number four, when we pray in persecution, it reminds us to give our fears to God. I'm going to combine these two. Verses 8 through 12 reminds us to give our fears to God. Verses 13, 14 reminds us to give our rage, our anger to God. You guys, when you're being persecuted, it stirs a lot of stuff. You, you start feeling uh, wounded. You start feeling low. You start feeling small. You start feeling angry. You start feeling afraid. You start feeling all the ways that you feel when somebody's out to get you. You want to protect yourself. You want to hurt them first. You want to hide. You want to move to another state. You want to hurt somebody, hurt yourself, like all of those things. You want to, you know, insert your thing. You want to do all those things that hurt you or hurt somebody. Give it to Jesus. What happens if you've got this bottle shook up, right, and you don't let the cap off? Soon, this thing's going to pop. It's going to explode. We're just like that. If you bottle up your fear, it's going to eat you. It's going to pop. It's going to explode, probably at like a not an opportune time. If you bottle up your rage and your anger, it is going to consume you. You're going to punch a door and break your hand. You're going to punch somebody. You're going to say something that you can never quite take back. Give that stuff to God. I love how God, how David was praying. These people are like lions. They're like wild animals. They're, almost said a bad word. They are not good people. And God, he's straight up praying, kill them. Cut them up with your sword. Destroy them. That is a safe thing to say to God. He can handle it. He'll do something positive with it. But what happens if I just get upset and I'm like, Sydney, I want to kill them. I want to cut their tires. I want to get them. How do you feel about it? Yeah, let's go. And the next thing I know, Sydney's on the news because she went and vandalized somebody's car. (laughs) It would totally happen. She's got my back. You guys... You complain about that stuff, your fear and your anger to your friends, you spread it. You put a stupid post on social media, like I have done, and it just upsets everybody. Give it to the Lord. David declaring, I hate them. I want him dead. But I give it to you. And God, didn't he handle it? God took care of it. David never had to lift a finger God took care of Saul, because Saul, even though he's being a punk, he's God's son too. I have no right to fight my enemy, because my enemy is God's kid too. So give it to Jesus. Give that anger to Jesus before it eats your lunch. Give that fear to Jesus so you can sleep at night. Before you go to bed, Jesus, I am miserable. Just Would you just take it for, for like five hours, 12 hours if you're broke? I need some sleep. Give that stuff to God. Follow David's example. Last principle. When we pray in persecution, it reminds us that God will bless all those who live by faith. David started this psalm off scared, angry, not knowing what to do. I've got an enemy. They're chasing me. They want me dead. And listen to how he finishes it. I love this. Satisfy the hunger of your treasured ones. Do you know what David was hungry for in this moment? Justice. Revenge. 
And he gave it to God, and his hunger was satisfied. Because God was like, David, I got your back. I'll take care of it. May their children have plenty, leaving an inheritance for their descendants. When you handle persecution by faith in prayer, God doesn't just bless you. He blesses your children. He blesses the people around you. He blesses your family and your friends. Because I am righteous, I will see you. When I wake up, I will see you face to face and be satisfied. You guys, man, the faith of David is inspiring. But he's just like you. He's just like me. He's just a man who prayed. So let's pray. Let's be a people that take our enemies, our persecutions, our struggles, our inadequacies, our crud, and give it to Jesus and just sit back and watch. David just sat back and watched, and God eventually dealt with Saul. And then he dealt with David and made him the greatest king that ever led Israel. There are blessings right around the corner for you guys if you could just stop fighting we could just stop fighting, hit our knees, and just give it to Jesus. So, how important is it that we learn how to handle conflict or persecution well? I mean, how important is it that we get this right? So important. Eternally important. Fast forward from the Psalms to the New Testament. Luke chapter 21, 10 through 19. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Jesus said, nation will go to war against nation. Anybody seeing any of that going on in the news lately? I do. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes. There will be famines and plagues in many lands. I see that daily. Turn on the news. This is when and how we're living. They're having, they're having earthquakes in states in America that have never even had them before that we know of. There will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. I've been seeing some crazy Facebook posts about stuff people seem to see in the sky lately. I can't explain it. What is that? It's a cloud that nobody's ever seen before. That's a meteor nobody's ever knew was going through our solar system. Like, there's stuff going on that's crazy bananas. What is Jesus talking about in this passage? He's telling us, the end is coming. The end is coming. I'm coming back. You have, like, this much time left to get this right because the end is coming. Revelation, all that scary, spooky stuff, it's about to happen. How important is it that we get persecution, that we get handling conflict well, right? Before all this occurs, Jesus says, there will be a time of great persecution. You will be dragged into churches, into prisons, into synagogues. You will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Can you imagine being dragged into a court because you're a Christian, because you told the truth, because you prayed for somebody, and they're like, it's a life or death sentence, and God's saying, it's your opportunity to tell them about me. I mean, this book exists because Paul, the New Testament letters, he wrote most of the New Testament, he's dragged into prison, and what did he do? Did he say, okay, I was wrong? No, he said, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And I can stand before you in chains, in burlap, and say, I am not afraid. I have perfect peace within me. Don't you want that? Well, you may have an opportunity before you go to find it. And then it closes. So don't worry. Don't worry about persecution. Don't worry about conflict. Don't worry about trials and tribulations of many kinds. Don't worry in advance about how to answer 
the charges against you, whether it's a friend gossiping, an ex badmouthing you, or somebody slandering you because of your faith. Don't worry, because I'm going to give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends may betray you. I'm like one of the only believers in my family, and if Revelation stuff started like tomorrow, I would probably get turned in, and it'd probably be by a family member. I mean, I love them, and they love me, but when lives are on the line, when it means they can't feed their family unless they cough up a Christian, that's what's coming. How important is it that I learn and practice now, I forgive you, I love you, I'm at peace. My faith is there, not here. My faith is in the cross, not the United States of America, not the law. Not a hair on your head will perish, says the Lord, if you walk through these things with faith. Because by standing firm, you will win your soul. And the Bible's clear. There are many that say they're Christians. And when they get faced with a guillotine, they'll bring the guillotine back at the end times. And you're looking and you're like, okay, I can head lopped off or I can say Jesus isn't real. That many people will say Jesus isn't real. They may have saved their skin for a year or three, but they just lost their place in heaven. How important is it that we learn how to handle conflict well? Your eternity and mine is on the line. I charge you guys, it is time, it is past time for us to stop playing at Christianity and start living for Christ. I don't know exactly how to do that. I mean, this book is full of some good suggestions, but I know where I want to start. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to invite you guys to pray with me right now. So the band is going to come up here, and we're going to pray for a couple things real fast. When we're done, we'll release you guys to respond to this message on another level in a few different ways. We have our tithe and our communion. Communion, so meaningful on a day like today. A reminder that you guys, no matter what persecution you face, Jesus faced more. And he faced it for you. He paid for you to be able to pray and have your prayers answered, to be able to experience peace in the midst of a storm. So take communion and remind yourself, God shed his blood for you, allowed his body to be broken for you so that you could have no fear. So somebody can be in your face. Your school can be yelling at you in your face. And you can say, it's okay. I'm all right. Like right. I don't want to kill all of you right now because my hope is in the Lord. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org or find us on Facebook under Woods Edge Student.